0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From NOLA Pizza in the NOLA Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane
1: University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome
2: to Out to Lunch. We like to divide things into categories. We talk about short people and tall people, black and white, gay and straight. In business, we talk about big and small. But this kind of categorization isn't quite as useful as it might be for other hard and fast demographic descriptions. For example, if you're a short adult, you're never going to be tall. And if you're white, you're never going to be black. But in business, every big business started out small. Apple started in a garage in Northern California. Walmart was originally a small store in Arkansas. And McDonald's started out as a handful of burger joints in San Bernardino. From day one of their existence, these now international conglomerates were in competition with bigger businesses. Apple was in the shadow of the giant IBM, there were plenty of department stores when Walmart came along, and every diner in America made hamburgers that were just as good as McDonald's. Likewise, if you're a small business today, you have to compete with big business. But big business today have vast technological resources and advantages that make competition uneven, to say the least. John Marshall is founder and managing principal of a company that's trying to level the playing field. Series Next Solutions is a company that provides small or growing businesses with a kind of services that bigger businesses have in-house. They can be a small business's chief financial officer, an accounting department, or a business intelligence department. John Marshall, welcomed Out to Lunch.
1: Thanks, Peter. Glad to be here.
2: One of the advantages big business has over small business is information. Big businesses have the resources to put into research. Even something as simple as researching a potential hire to make sure the person you're bringing in to your company is everything they say there are, is simple for a big business. But it's difficult and expensive for a small business. This information gap is where a company called Averifact comes in. Sandra Lovett-Tillman is the managing director and co-owner of Averifact. Sandra is a licensed private investigator who puts her investigative skills to work for small businesses, many of whom are banks and finance companies.
3: Sandra, welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thank you, Peter, glad to be here.
2: John, for a business to survive, the people running it need to be smart enough to know what they're doing. Beyond that, they also need to know what their competition is doing and what the road ahead looks like. Today, those skills are called business intelligence. A successful business also has to have a grasp on bookkeeping and accounting practices. These are services that your company, Series Next Solutions, provides. Are your clients mostly small businesses who are using Series Next Solutions because they don't have business skills? For example, they might be great manicurists or architects, but they don't know anything about basic business practices, or are your clients, mostly small
1: businesses, looking for an edge that will elevate them to become bigger businesses? Yeah, Peter, it's closer to the latter, where you know, our, our sweet spot is really that company that's kind of gotten through that stage in the life cycle where they're just trying to figure out how to do something well. Once you've figured that out, it's time to you know, expand, grow, scale. Uh, and, and that's really a point where suddenly, you know, maybe the entrepreneur who's been doing the finance and accounting doesn't want to do it anymore shouldn't be doing it anymore their time's really too valuable to do it Um, and so what we do is we come in and let them handle the things they're great at uh, which is what they got into business for their product their service they want to go preach the gospel of what they're doing you know we can take the load off their shoulders in the finance and accounting space. You know
2: what I was wondering, John, is
1: that you do such a great job. They scale up, and then you put yourself out of work, right? Uh, not quite all the way, but sort of. Uh, so, in finance and accounting, we do. Uh, you know, there's there's a point at which somebody should have their own CFO, have their own you know accounting group. Uh, maybe it all falls under a COO that they bring in house. Uh, that information piece is typically a piece though that we can handle for for groups. That, grow you know exponentially uh, because we've just got such a deep background in understanding everything from the debits and credits to the bits and bytes. And, you know, we're down in databases and you know and the like
2: debits that. are closest to the window. That's what we teach at the business school. I just want to clear that up. They <laughs> go parent
1: 15 years <laughs> <Right>. ago.
2: <laughs> Sandra, when people hire a private investigator, they're usually looking to be told something they want to hear. They have a suspicion that they want someone to independently confirm. For example, I think my spouse is cheating on me, and I want to be able to prove it. This is, by the way, just an example. It's not my personal issue. Um, How does this kind of investigation work in the business world? Uh, Do businesses hire you to tell them what they want to be told? Or do you find they're happy for you to tell them the truth, whatever it is?
3: I think it's the latter as well. It's the truth. Uh, In business, information is only as valuable as as it is accurate, and in uh, small business, large business, whatever scale you're looking at, if you have verified facts, then you can make an informed decision because you're aware of any potential risk that could be incurred with regards to any kind of business relationship, whether it be hiring a new employee, a key executive, um, bringing in a new supplier or dealing with a contractor, or in some cases, subcontractors. Or it may simply be that you need to know more information about a company and the key uh, players in that company so that you can decide, is this a good investment? Um, is this someone you want to do business with? Are there any issues that will come to light that had you known then what you know now, you would have been in a better position to make a decision that protects your interest? So we basically even the playing field and give you access to that uh, without you having to hire a whole slew of folks and pay a whole lot of subscription rates to be able to access the data yourself. You know,
2: I get calls all the time for references from people that are going to hire these folks, and uh, I tend to say nice things. I which probably most isn't do. You most do I you know even mm-hmm. if they were an axe murder I'd say oh Bob Sharp you know there's uh, right. just uh, you know I just don't <laughs> but so, you're, so you brought up a good point so most people are on the positive side when you well, talk to well they're
3: them. either on the positive side or they're highly aware of the potential for any kind of litigation if they say something other than what ah. date of hire are they eligible for rehire you know, and and when you start looking at business engagements, you know, you're you're basically looking at what that individual is willing to disclose to you prior to entering into the business arrangement and you're also looking for, you know, what they tell you on the outside and they're going to sell you on who they are what they are what they bring to the table because that's their motivator your motivator is if i if i welcome them in is it going to cause any issues for my business going forward and the the responsibility for that falls on you if they're a good salesman and you buy the pitch you get what you assume you're going to get, not necessarily what you actually will get. <laughs> so we, we kind of fill in that, that space. That for you. would
2: be a, <laughs> that's a good thing to have it. John, is there a, um, with a company, is there a certain pain point where all of a sudden they just need you? They've, uh,
1: and do they know the pain point or do you know the pain uh, point? It's, it's a combination of both. Um, you know, I think naturally in the position we're in we're gonna we're gonna see the pain point before they do and you know it's it's up for debate whether whether the truth is on our side or theirs I'm looking at sandra today shows the truth, truth. but yes. <laughs> really what what it comes down to is um freedom to focus for the executive you know if if their world is too wide in what they're doing um they start to feel that as they grow because if I have to spend it as an executive you know four or five hours a week dealing with issues of information whether I'm actually doing accounting or just trying to figure out what happened last month that's all time that I could be spending working on opening the Houston office or you know all, all the things that end up driving revenue and they start to feel that pretty quick I, I, just the fact that you brought that up I was
2: just thinking about scaling uh, that must be a point where you realize there's a whole different set of skills and and such when you start doing multiple offices is that would that be kind of one of the points?
1: Yeah, that sure is uh, and and it is a different set of skills um, and that's you know what the business person figures out you know there there are two games for them to play, and one is kind of the expansion, growing the business product, all that. Um, you know two is the finance side because if you 're doing that, you know, maybe you 're in an inventory heavy business and there 's a financing problem, you grow and you suddenly run out of cash and you go why
2: you know, and you 're not there anymore, right that's the to oversee it
1: right, yeah, so I mean, that's- so <laughs> it's our job to come in and just kind of handle that for you. Nobody gets into business to play that game except for us. But-
3: <laughs> but do, do you find that it's often the the business owners that are at that stage, don't necessarily view an investment versus a cost you know you are really an investment but you have to get that mindset to the business owner that you are an investment that you're not a cost because there in a small business every dollar matters you know and you've got to be able to let them know that what you bring to the table is actually an investment that's going to have a great return in so many different ways that they don't even realize because they're not familiar with what you do.
1: Yeah, that's, I don't think I could have put it better. And really that changes as an organization grows. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're earlier on, it's all about the opportunity cost of time. Right. right. I only have so much cash. I can afford to go spend a few hours dealing with this. I know every single thing that's going on because I have two employees, and they sit in the same room as me. Right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> no. not uncommon. But when you start having to be in another city two days a week, mm-hmm. um, or you know, dealing with clients, you don't know where all your clients are anymore. Um, you know, that's. That's when in the in the CEO's mind we start seeing the transition of looking at something that we do as a as a, a value proposition as opposed to a cost center.
2: And, and Sandra, the information you're finding, is it readily available or sometimes it isn't and sometimes it takes more digging?
3: I think people are under a miscomprehension about that because Information in the information age, people think are a fingertip away, you know, you've got your Google searches, you know, all the different search engines, you've got social media, you've got uh, printed media, and then you have this thing that's called a database. And people think if they do a database search, that they're searching everything what they don't understand is that they are searching one particular database that has a certain group of Uh, Companies or individuals or sources that are feeding information into the database, but there's no guarantee that it's to the extent that they believe it is. In our company, we search multiple databases depending upon the jurisdictions and the countries that we're being asked to search, but we take it one step further and we search the actual public record at the local, state, federal levels in order to find out if the information that was reported to the database or that they scrubbed from the internet is correct. You know, you wind up having uh, data entry errors. You wind up having common name issues. So if you go and look at your own credit report, if you have a common name, for example, with my mom or my dad and my brother have same first name, same last name, same middle initial, but it's a different name. They have uh, places that they share that they've lived at. They both retired from the Navy. If you pull any one of their credit reports, you're gonna find all of their information's mixed up, which is great for my brother, but not necessarily guaranteed to be great for my dad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And some stuff must look good on the surface. Like, you know, obviously I've I've looked up some things on you and Mm -hmm. you're a leader in your church and your husband is a Boy Scout troop master. And so I would think, wow, these are great Mm -hmm. folks or whatever. But you don't stop there.
3: No, no, no. See,
2: that would have been my problem.
3: No, what what we're doing is we're taking the information that's readily available, and then we're digging further into different databases, some of which you have to pay a pretty hefty subscription rate in order to access that data. Um, others you may not ever be aware of because it is particular to a certain type of business, industry, um, you, you know, there's various resources that pull that out. You have credit bureaus. You know We can do that as long as we've got a signed authorization from the individual. We can pull the credit bureau report for you. Uh, we can check credit reports on companies. A lot of people don't realize that there's a ways that you can check information from various sources, but you still have to understand the shortcomings of those resources if you're not going to go to the extent of checking the actual public record to confirm it.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Sandra Lovett-Tillman from Averifact, a business investigation agency, and John Marshall from the business services company Series Next Services. John, I was just thinking, you know, your goal, I know you've talked about wanting to scale nationally and such a, so you could become the exact kind of person that you're trying to help, right?
1: Yes, I mean, we we actually are kind of getting to the point as a company where we could use Series Next Solutions right now, um, and we're the only people who are doing exactly what we're doing. So we're actually trying to solve for that on our own. But, um, in the end, you know, You're gonna the, be the deal is, is right. We, we, use yourself as a client. Let's let's put the product in place, and we're starting to work on that because we're starting to feel some of that pain as we grow.
2: And you, uh, you know, you didn't just pop out of school and started doing this. Uh, you were, you were a COO for a startup yourself you worked in consulting what is it that after you came through those experiences well did you see there was this need because of that background
1: that's it so I, I have a I'm gonna call it a somewhat serendipitous background where I've done a lot in kind of finance and accounting operations and then business intelligence right when the cloud started being a big thing which was just lucky for me that I started when I did in that world um, but I worked as a startup, COO, um, and when I rolled out of that job after it sold, I had spent my time doing a lot of what we do. Um, And the two thoughts I had coming out of it were like, one, I mean, I really want to do that again. That was fun. Um, The two was, if I really look at it, I probably spent 20% of my time doing the COO things and then the rest of my time doing what people do in young growing companies which is whatever needs to be done today. Uh, so I might spend, you know, a couple hours a day building a data model to push, you know, automatic reporting through to market managers and then the rest of the day calling customers who hadn't paid their bills. Um, so that was, you know, how it all came together. I'm sure.
2: And Sandra, you you're doing business investigation you opted for that versus being like a, a private PI,
3: right?
2: Was that an easy, easy call?
3: Oh yes, yes. It seems so
2: interesting being like Colombo or something, but maybe not.
3: I think each has its own merits, but based on you know where I evolved from, I originally worked with a commercial debt recovery company, and one of the things that I saw time and time again as we were trying to help businesses. Get some kind of return on a bad debt of any kind. Um, Learning that the businesses have historically been doing, you know, providing the service, providing the product, doing what they agreed to do with the anticipation of being paid on the back end, uh, we're increasingly running into situations where it was instead of. 30, 60, 90, 120, you're looking two years down the road and they're sitting there trying to figure out what the heck happened. Um, I started working with my business partner who was involved with credit services at the time and learning more about what she had to offer which was primarily geared to banking and finance, Uh, you know those big business loans that everybody's you know right now trying to get. We would do the uh, due diligence on that in order to enable the bank to say yay or nay or change the terms to fit the risk. Um, One of the things I liked about what she did was in my world at that time, working with businesses, I saw that those businesses weren't aware that they had that option, that they could have learned more on the front end or even during the engagement. to see if anything has changed materially that would, it you know, then be a problem for them to continue sure, yeah. doing what they've been doing. Um, and then on the back end, when the commercial debt recovery comes into play, or the attorney, or they get a judgment, um, where do you find the assets? You know, a lot of attorneys don't necessarily automatically go and find if there's any assets for you. So you had the
2: skill set from the other job, which was very, very cool. So it
3: it, it was, you know, meeting of minds and perfect opportunity to to bring that, you know, to the table for a wider audience.
2: And John, earlier before we started to go on the air, you had said that um, COVID was both a plus and a minus for you. How, How does that work?
1: Yeah, short-term minus long-term plus. Um, So we started Series Next uh, right at the beginning of 2020. Ah, terrific. Um, Yeah, it was just a fantastic time. time. Um, Because as you might imagine, once March rolled around, and pretty specific in my world because I have young kids, March 13th, last Friday, before school stopped. um, (laughs) Ingrained. It got really hard to meet people. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's how we get new clients. A Mm -hmm. lot of what we do is just referrals and and networking so that was that was really hard for us Uh, but the long-term plus is that our work can be remote and everybody's more comfortable with that now Um, so we've had along the way already you know clients in places like california and montana that we've we've never seen in person Um, and and everybody's just kind of more comfortable with that. So as we thought of what we're going to do, and we're going to start and build this thing right here in New Orleans and expand, we can actually use an office in New Orleans and you know, do business anywhere in the country.
3: And our business is the same way because we, ironically, didn't do a lot of business in the Louisiana, New Orleans area. Uh-huh. Um, we're trying to make more inroads there, but ours were at the financing centers, New York in atlanta and chicago and new jersey you know different locations like that um we even have been so far as south africa and it's amazing what you can do and not have to actually be physically with the person you're doing it for so best of luck to you i was thinking
2: about how your two companies are so uh, have a lot in common i guess one is that your competition i guess you have other companies and such but your competition is the in-house
1: right is that a good way to think about it that's the way we think about it is it, when when you get to that point that you're feeling some of that pain that we were talking about earlier you know most people think oh I, you know i guess i have to hire somebody and that really does feel like a cost because that somebody's going to cost a lot more than we do um, and they're going to carry you know specific right and all the benefits that people talk about part. and you know yeah. it's another 30 percent in benefits from whatever you pay I mean, them maybe even an equity piece that you've got to give up you know, yeah, I'm just a vendor. You can. It's easy to fire us. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, our our bet is that you don't want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sandra, you did something that I haven't seen anybody do on this show yet. Is you worked for a long time with a company, that uh, I guess the owner retired and that was a. But you were able to start a new company and bring in some of the best employees from the old company. Correct. And that's um. And you weren't. Just to be fair, you weren't poaching because that company was out of business, right. but yeah, that easier or harder?
3: For us, it was a, an easier transition, um, not only because we knew and had worked with these particular individuals before. We knew the quality of their work and work habits, and you know, they've, they've got a heart for what they do. And you you can't really hire for that. Had you had know? a
2: 20-year interview with them. Yes, yes, uh, they- yes,
3: it's been wonderful. And you know, on top of that, we were also because we had brought the majority of those clients to the credit services business before it also had closed. Um, they knew us. They didn't know the owners of the business because the owners weren't actively engaged on the selling and marketing and actually doing the production end of things. That was what Sherry and I did. And so it was it was a real easy transition for for all of them to come with us because it was a, it was a value add to them. They're like, you mean we're talking to the owners now? We've been doing this all along, and you know the the confidence was there, the trust was there, the proven track record was there, and that was everything that we had brought to the table to begin with. You know, and, and so, I think yeah.
2: of people needing to repay their loans. I I see a lot of mobster movies. So, but you don't appear to be that person that would come and break people's legs and things <laughs> like that.
3: No, you like the mask that I'm. Yeah, present? no, I think. Uh, <laughs> You you sound
1: more like somebody from our you know finance, accounting, background too. Like we all we do, kind of similar things. You're over there talking about databases and considering mm-hmm. the validity of sources, just like we do, and we try to figure out how we're going to predict. Right. Um, you know, you're you're predicting some human behaviors. Uh, you know, we're predicting you know, marketing charges. Right.
3: Sandra probably right. doesn't
1: trust humans anymore.
2: That's probably the uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Trust, but verify. Oh, <laughs> <go>. oh okay. <laughs> and I, w- I will tell you that, you know, the the key for us is we know that everybody has a mask in place, regardless of Literally, what you're no, getting but, in but. place. You, you, you don't disclose everything about yourself to everybody, or you don't disclose everything about your company to everybody. The things that we concentrate on are locating the puzzle pieces that are out there in various areas, and we put those together to give you a completed picture so that you do know what's the potential risk, what's the past behavior been, is there, you know, um, a way to confirm what that particular business or person has told you. And, you know, you got to admit, having that kind of verified information is a lot better than just rolling the dice on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You could could substitute... uh, you know, business information for people with, yes. with everything you just said and right. you, know.
2: you know what I know, well, we I know that you should always loan money to pessimists because they don't expect it back, that's what I think they, uh... <laughs> The secret to success in small business is pretty much the secret to success in any walk of life Know and maximize your strengths and identify and minimize your weaknesses One of the ways you can minimize your weaknesses in small business is to partner with people who can do what you can't In other words, partner with businesses who have particular strengths that you don't. Uh, John and Sandra, your businesses are both specialized organizations that are focused on bringing skills and advantages to companies. Although some of your clients are very visible locally and some are even nationwide, your own businesses don't generate headlines or get attention, but your contributions are vital to the health and bottom line of the companies you work with it has been informative to turn the spotlight on you for a change and find out what goes on in the back office. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you very much, Peter. It's our pleasure. Pizza's great too, by (laughs) the (laughs) way.
3: Nola pizza, love it.
2: (laughs) Good plug. (laughs) My guests on Out to Lunch today have been John Marshall, founder and managing principal of Series Next Solutions and Sandra Lovett Tillman, Managing Director and Co-Founder of Averifact. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Sandra and John's back office businesses by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our out to lunch social media these photos were taken today by jill lafleur you can find more of jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com out to lunch is a production of INO broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and wwno 89.9 fm the producer of our show is grant morris our technical producer is eric merle our researcher is maggie mendel I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business
0: New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the Nola Brewing Taproom, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. Nola Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza. By NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Joneswalker.com. And by... Short and Associates, Legal Recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.